Hey everybody, welcome to Bethel at Home. So good to be connecting with each of you in your living rooms. Uh, we have a few tips for you this morning just to be fully engaged in our worship service. So I know it, everything looks a little different than normal, but maybe by doing a few of these things, we can make the most of it. And the first thing would be, would be to make the worship time a priority. And so that may mean instead of everybody looking at their phone and their devices, turning those off and streaming the service on your screen in your living room or family room and all watch it together. So if you have access to a smart TV um, or a way to share your um, information on the TV, it'd be really cool to engage on the big screen. And that way we can treat it like a normal worship service. Our second tip is that you would be engaged in the service. And so if you're watching on Facebook, you can just let us know that you're watching, put in the comments there, let us know that you're there watching. Um, and if you are on another platform, just reach out to us and let us know that you're connecting with us today. And you can also host a watch party. Yeah. That's something you can do on Facebook. You can host a watch party and then all of your family and friends could join in also. It's an awesome way to partner with Bethel and share it with uh, your community and bring more people into the worship, worship experience. Uh, our last tip is about um, actually engaging Worshiping instead in of just watching, the right? worship. Yes. So you can actually act like you're at church with other believers worshiping together. And so maybe you need to get up off the couch and stand up, or possibly if you're used to raising your hands in certain moments of the worship, go ahead and do that. We just want you to be fully engaged in the worship this morning. And it and then, may look different. I mean, obviously yeah. you're singing in your living room alone with your family. Maybe you've never done that before. And so we encourage you to actually interact like you would if we were all here together. I think some of us will be the first time that we can actually hear our own voices as we're worshiping. It's going to be kind of a cool moment. Maybe you'll discover a hidden talent. Maybe you've got some singing mm -hmm. abilities. That'd be cool. So, then also we need to make sure that uh, during the response time, just respond to the call to action. And so we're going to have an opportunity to share with our friends and our family, uh, share with our community about what God's doing in our lives. Um, so take this opportunity not to be silent, but actually share the decisions that we're making together on Bethel at Home. Okay, so we invite you now to join us as we begin with worship. I've known you as a father, 
Welcome to our Bethel Kids Spotlight. Uh, we are going to be asking all of the kids to recreate a Bible story each week. Uh, and because everybody is at home and they might have different things, nothing is off limits. So if all you have at the house is Play-Doh, we are asking the kids to recreate their Bible story with Play-Doh. If all they have is Legos, go ahead and recreate it with Legos. Uh, if you don't have any of that stuff but you got a sibling, recreate it with, si with your siblings and have fun with that. If you got an iPad, Go crazy and do some stop animation, all right? That would be awesome, too. We want you guys to be creative and come up with a way to re, uh, recreate the story, the Bible story. So this week, 
We want you guys to do that and then post them to our Bethel Kids, Kids Facebook page so that you can share your masterpiece with everybody. There's no wrong way to do it. I'm so excited to see the creative ways you kids come up with to recreate this Bible story. Uh, we are in week six of our On The Go series, which is where we're looking through the different uh, attributes of God. And the need to know for this week is God is my provider. The Bible story, the passage is 1 Kings 17, verses 2 through 16. Uh, that's the story of Elijah and the ravens. I cannot wait to see what you guys come up with. I hope to see them on the Facebook page. See you guys next week. Thank you so much for joining us at Bethel at Home. I want to see you guys interacting a little bit, so I have a question for you. If you find yourself stuck at home for a long period of time, what junk food or snack food do you hope will last you the entire time? I don't know about you guys, but my peanut M&Ms are running low. So interact with one another and tell each other what junk food you hope can make it through as long as you have to stay in your house. We wanna connect with you guys. If you're watching on Facebook Live, you will see a link to a connection card. Now, this connection card is gonna have multi-purposes as we go throughout these next few weeks. The first one is if you're new with us, we would love to get to know you a little better. Click on that link and give us your name, a number, a way for us to reach you so we can just see how we can serve you better during this time. Now, also, you can use this connection card as a way to share a prayer request with us if you have a question or if you have a need during this time. So use that connection card to let us know anything you want us to know. And this will work whether you're in Orlando area, the Oklahoma City area, wherever you are, you can send that in. If you're not watching on Facebook, you can go to our website, which is um, mybethel.cc connect, and that will get you that connection card. So we want to be able to help you guys in any way that we can. And so we need you to communicate with us in any need that you have. We are in the middle of a series called Dangerous. And I find it really interesting that months ago, this, um, these lessons were thought about and planned. And this was the day right now that Ray was going to be speaking about being a dangerous church. And how can we be a dangerous church? And God knew that this was going to be our very first week at Bethel at Home. And I think that just goes to show us that we can still be a dangerous church. And so let's listen and see what Ray has to say. As a Bethel family, what can we do to be dangerous? So good to connect with you here at Bethel at Home. Had a couple of housekeeping items before we jump into today's message. The first thing is if you have your phones and you're watching on another device, I would recommend that you go to the Bible app. We have our live event that is um, you can connect and you can follow along the notes and you can share what God is doing in your own heart and, and kind of the, the message and the passage that we're working through. So if you go to your phone, uh, download the Bible app, the Version Bible app, go to more and then you'll see events and you'll find Bethel Community Church, whether you're right here or in Oklahoma City area, or if you're in Orlando, you can connect on the live event there. So I recommend you going there and then partnering with Bethel that way. You can also uh, partner with Bethel through your giving uh, right there in the app. 
Uh, you can click on the, on the link and you can connect and partner with us through your financial generosity. There's a lot of needs that are going to be coming up here in the next few weeks, uh, not only here at Bethel, uh, but also in our community. And so if you'll just stay connected on our social media accounts, you'll be able to partner with us as we move forward in this crazy time. Uh, Christy said that we're gonna be quarantined probably for the next few weeks. And, and here at Bethel, what we're trying to do is give you as many resources as possible to share Christ with your community, uh, share Christ with your neighbors, share Christ with your coworkers, and the hope that we have in Jesus. Um, there's a lot of uncertainty between now and when this thing's over, but we all know where our hope lies, where our peace lies, and it's in Jesus. Also, I just wanted to kind of give you a heads up about Easter coming down the road, April 12th, Easter, our Easter services. It's kind of up in the air. We're most likely not going to meet in person. I can't imagine us being back on campus um, for our Easter services, but we're still going to be creative and we're going to try to create an event to where it's going to be something special. And so stay tuned for that. I know that last week I asked everybody to bring candy for our kids, Bethel kids. Uh, we'll let you know how that's going to work out because we still want our Bethel kids to have a good experience. We don't know quite how that's going to work out, though, so please stay tuned. Well, this week we're in um, talking about dangerous church. We're going to be in our Bibles in Romans chapter 10. We're going to work through the passage there in Romans chapter 10 where Paul specifically is praying for his community and a dangerous church, as we're going to see, is going to be a church that actually prays for the community. We've never had more of an opportunity in our world, in our lifetime, to share the hope of Jesus as we do right now. People's lives are being unsettled. Our community is being unsettled. Our government's being unsettled. We're, we're in a moment of crisis where people are looking for hope. People are actually thinking about eternity right now. And what I want our church to do, uh, both here and in Florida, is I want our church to be a church that is ready and equipped and able to share Christ with those around us, share the hope of Jesus. We've been walking through this series called Dangerous, uh, Dangerous, right? Pursuing a Fearless Life. You actually are called by God to be fearless. You're called by God to be dangerous. Not that we're living a dangerous life as everyone is right now, but actually you are dangerous because the spirit of the living God lives in you. And because of that dangerous calling, that dangerous spirit that lives in you, it makes you an agent of danger. And so really depending on your response to the truth or the fact that we're dangerous, the, your response to it is going to determine your effectiveness. Today we're going to discover how God has called our church to gather together, even if it's digitally, to be a dangerous church. The church is made up of people. It's not this building. I'm sitting in this building by myself and Taylor and my wife, Christy. This is not the church. The church is actually you. Wherever you are gathered, you are the church. And so the church currently is scattered all over the city. We're gathering online and we're learning what it means to be connected while we're isolated. We're going to look in Romans chapter 10 and we're going to start there in verse 1 where Paul is begging God and he's crying out to God to be a dangerous church. I'd like to pray for you before we get started. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for Jesus. Because of him, we have hope. Because of him, we have a promise of tomorrow. God, you have come into our lives. You've invaded us with your spirit. You have filled us with your spirit. I pray that today, God, that your word would be real, that your word would be encouraging, that your word would cut right to our hearts and change our minds and put us on a path, on a mission. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Paul says right there in verse 1, Dear brothers and sisters, the longing of my heart and my prayer to God is for the people of Israel to be saved. 
You know what? A dangerous church is not a selfish church. We long for people around us to know Jesus. We understand the spiritual condition of our community, and something happens in our hearts once we understand the fragility of humanity. We long for others to have the experience with Jesus just like we have. And right here we see that Paul in verse 1 says that the prayer to God is that the people of Israel would be saved. If you backed up to chapter 9, Paul actually said that he would give up his own salvation so that the people around him could know Christ. I wonder if you and I have that same exact call or that same exact desire in our hearts that we would give up our own salvation so that the community would come to know Jesus. My prayer is as we walk through this passage today that God would break all of our hearts for the needs around us, the spiritual needs of our community. So a dangerous church prays. A dangerous church prays. He says, my longing in, the longing in my heart and my prayer to God is that they would be saved. A, pray, a, a dangerous church prays that God would save, God would redeem those around us, that God would um, actually call the spiritually disconnected, those people that do not have a relationship with God. Let's look at verse 2. It says, I know what enthusiasm they have for God, but it's misdirected zeal. For they don't understand God's way of making people right with himself. Refusing to accept God's way, they cling to their own way of getting right with God by trying to keep the law. All right, I'm going to play a little game with you, so play along right there at Bethel at home. Let's walk through the Ten Commandments real quick and see how we're doing overall with the Ten Commandments. Because Paul just said that the Jewish people, the Israelites, had a zeal for the commands of God, but it's misdirected zeal. They don't understand what Jesus did on the cross. And so let's walk through the Ten Commandments. So right there, how many of us have followed the first commandment, which is, thou shalt have no other gods before me? So is there anything in your life that's above God? How are you doing on that commandment? All right, maybe you're doing okay. Maybe God is first place in your life. Number two, you shall not make yourself any idol, nor bow down to, to it or worship it. So an idol, putting anything above God. So not only is God number one, but nothing else can even take his place, all right? Third thing, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, all right? How's your mouth? How's your vocabulary? Do you misuse the name of God? Number four, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Okay, how many of us have taken a full day and done nothing in a while? Most of us are pretty frantic and running around and we don't take a day of rest. Number five, respect your father and mother. Number six, you must not commit adultery. Number seven, you must not commit murder. Number eight, you must not steal. Number nine, you must not give false evidence against your neighbor. No false testimonies. Number 10, you must not be envious of your neighbor's goods. You shall not be envious of his house, nor his wife, nor anything that belongs to your neighbor. Now, here's what's interesting as we're reading through this list. Now we're getting into a situation where we're having to um, bring things into our house, have some quarantine items, some stockpile items. And maybe some people are posting online, well, I've got this and I've got this and we're going to become, become envious. Jesus came along the scene and he said, you know what? The Ten Commandments are good, but what's in your heart? Jesus actually took it a step further. He said, now in your heart, that's what matters. So you may say, oh, I'm not lying. I'm not stealing, but in your heart have you done it? I'm not committing adultery, but I've looked with my eyes and in my heart I've already done it. I've not given a false testimony, but in my, my, my heart I have. And so Jesus kind of took it to a whole nother level, level. He upped the complication when he was here on earth. He said, if you think about it in your heart, you've done it already. Now in the Jewish world, the law is king. In order to please God, new laws were created in order to not break the original 10 commandments. 
You know there's 613 laws that good people fulfill in order not to even get close to the original 10. This is the zeal that Paul was talking about with the law, is that people were coming and they were actually creating extra laws in order not to get close to the original 10 laws. This is pretty fanatic people. In our community today, there are so many people that have an understanding of God. They might understand some of Scripture, but they don't know what it means to be a follower of Jesus. They'll say things like, I'm a good person. Or they'll say things like, I go to church sometimes. I do good things. I went to church when I was a kid. My parents are Christians. And Jesus and Paul, when he's speaking in this passage, and Jesus up to the communication is that our connection to Jesus, our following of Jesus is the only thing that makes a difference. It's not what other people do or even the good actions that we do. It's us following Jesus with our lives. So a dangerous church not only prays, but a dangerous church understands the community. Now more than ever, we can have spiritual conversations with our community. We can have real conversations about faith and about hope. There's a lot of people today wondering, are we at the end of the earth? Is the, is the end here? Is the, the world going to end? And we have an opportunity as believers to share the hope of Jesus. A dangerous church understands pe the people around them. A dangerous church understands spiritual conversations. A dangerous church knows how to leverage the opportunity around us in order to point people to find and follow Jesus. Verse 4, Paul says, For Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. As a result, all who believe in him are made right with God. Jesus already did the impossible work of making us right with God. Jesus already accomplished the connection with God. Jesus is the fulfillment of the law given by Christ. Actually, the law, what it does is it points us right to Jesus, that he came as a man. He lived a perfect life, lived here for 33 years, and then he went to the cross voluntarily, and he spread his arms in love for humanity, and he said, I have given my life so that we can be connected with the Father. He did what no one else could do in perfection. Anyone who believes in Jesus are made right with God. Anyone who trusts Jesus accomplished work on the cross. And so a dangerous church believes in Jesus and nothing else. Verse 5, For Moses writes that the law's way of making a person right with God requires obedience to all its commands. But faith's way of getting right with God says, Don't say in your heart, Who will go up to heaven to bring Christ down to earth? You know the Jewish people are still waiting on the Messiah. And what Paul is saying, No, the Messiah's already come. We don't have to go up to earth and bring him down. He's already here. Verse 7, and don't say who will go down to the place of death to bring, uh, to bring Christ back to life again. Jesus already rose from the dead. He was in the tomb three days and then rose from the dead out of his, out of his own power. And it says in verse 8, in fact, it says the message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and in your, in your heart. And that is the very message about faith that we preach. There's a song that we used to sing when I was a kid. It's a hymn that said, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. And then there's a new version of the song that says, Oh, praise the one who paid the debt and rises life up from the dead. We can praise the name of Jesus because he is the one that paid it all. He already came from heaven to earth. He lived a perfect life. He went into the tomb and he rose from the dead. A dangerous church understands and fully puts their faith and trust in Jesus. Also, a dangerous church declares Jesus. Look at verse 9. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord 
and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you're saved. As the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced, never be disappointed, never be led down the wrong path. All who call on him will be saved. Verse 12, Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call upon him. Most likely, if you're watching this, you're a Gentile, you're a non-Jewish person. And Jesus opened up heaven in order for you to know him and to connect with him. Verse 13, for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. My question for you this morning is, do you openly declare Jesus as your savior? Do you need to transfer maybe some head knowledge to your heart? This is not just intellectual knowledge about Jesus. It's actually heart trust. It's putting trust in him and his finished work on the cross for us. No one is exempt. No one is left out. No one has to miss out on the hope of Jesus. Also, a dangerous church new, learns new ways to go. Right now, we're connected online. We're trying to keep our distance from one another. So how do we go and fulfill Jesus's command to go make disciples while we're isolated? Look at what Paul says there in verse 14. He asks some interesting questions. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how can anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. Paul asks four questions. and They're all how questions. How is this going to happen? You know, we're living in an incredible day with incredible opportunities. Every single person around the world, not just here locally, but around the world can be reached by you through social media and through the internet. Everyone who is watching is capable of sharing the message of Jesus. Everyone who is connected can do a video call or a phone call with someone, with a friend. Everyone can actually learn how to articulate your faith. Every single person who knows Jesus can go all over the world at this very moment. There's gonna be a link in the Bible event where you can go back and listen to a series that we did last year called Articulate, where you can learn how to articulate your faith. I, I recommend you to go listen to it and then follow that right now on social media. We need to all learn how to be going while socially distancing ourselves from one another for our safety. You've heard the message, now it's time to go. How are we gonna go without being sent? Well, today we wanna to send you to your friends and your family and your coworkers and your neighbors online by sharing this message, by sharing what Jesus has done in your heart, by sharing how God has saved you from yourself. So here's a couple thoughts for today. A dangerous church actually adapts. I think it's amazing that God put in our hands a device that we could connect with one another even if we're not close. Now, many of us have been resistant to this kind of change, and many of us have been resistant to social media and resistant to digital change. But this opportunity right now, because Bethel is online, we can actually come into your home, come into your living room, and you can do the same with your friends and family. So a church learns how to adapt. The early church had to figure out how to lead one another to Jesus while staying alive. They were actually scattered throughout the Roman Empire because of persecution. We have an incredible opportunity right now to live out, our, live out our faith, but also share what Jesus has done for us to the whole world. Everyone has been given a platform and everyone has been given a voice. Here's a few tips to practice online. Don't fight with others. 
This is not a time to engage in fighting on social media. Don't panic. Let's pray. Share hope, share faith, share love, share Jesus with your friends and your family. The second thing that a dangerous church does is a dangerous church unifies. A one mind, one goal, one direction. There's nothing more powerful than two people who are united. There's nothing more powerful than when a group of people are united. And there's nothing more powerful than when a church and a whole community is united. We can unite and we can learn new ways to adapt in this ever-changing world. You know, the final thing, the first thing I shared is that a dangerous church prays. We actually can pray, not only for God to intervene, but for God to give us opportunities, for God to use us to find people, to lead people, to love people, to follow Jesus. We're going to sing a new song this morning, and this song is called Holy Water. And I want to encourage you with this song because when we understand what Jesus has done for us, we cry out to him for forgiveness. And I'm going to read the lyrics to you. It says, God, I'm begging on my knees again. I'm begging, please, again. I need you. Oh, I need you. Walking down this desert road, water for my thirsty soul. I need you. Oh, I need you. And then it says right here, your forgiveness is like sweet, sweet honey on my lips, like the sound of a symphony to my ears, like holy water on my skin. The second verse is powerful. It says, dead man walking, slave to sin. This is our community. These are people that are spiritually disconnected. I want to know about being born again. That is Jesus coming in and changing us and saving us. It says, oh, I need you. Oh, God, I need you. Take me by the riverside, take me under, baptize, I need you. Oh God, I need you. We understand here at Bethel that we need Jesus every day. Now it's our opportunity to be a dangerous church, to adapt, to unify, and to pray. Love you guys. Look forward to connecting with you again.
speaking that I think it's good to be realistic that yes we are scared we are nervous we are anxious we we don't want to get sick we don't want our friends and family to get sick but I've heard over and over this week the word you kept saying is as believers we can't live as though we have no hope we have to remember that no matter what happens yes this is inconvenient yes this is scary but he, Christ, God, is still in control. And so I think if we can cling to that during these times, um, I know a lot of people are dealing with some like high anxiety during yeah. this time. And it's like, how am I supposed to be the church? How am I supposed to be a dangerous church when I'm so nervous? And I think that kind of goes back to last week's uh, about getting our emotions in check and just asking God to really show up in a new way and to help us deal with those anxious thoughts and give us new opportunities that we don't really even know what that looks like right now, but opportunities to connect with people and to love on people and to serve others. I think it's interesting as we're thinking about how can we lead our community? How can we disciple our community? How can we lead people to find and follow Jesus? And I think back to my own life um, when I first came to understand who Jesus was and and the journey that he took me on. God uses all sorts of different circumstances in order to bring people to himself. And I I just can't help but think that this is the time for the church to stand up, to actually share the hope of Jesus, to actually learn how I came to faith in Christ and how to share that with people around me. Because the truth is, it is a scary time. Um, I think about the early church as they were scattered around the Roman Empire. They were running for their lives, and yet along the way, they were telling people about Jesus. And so right now we have an opportunity, even in our homes, in our communities, in our workplaces, whether you have to go to work or you don't have to go to work, we have an opportunity to actually stop for a minute and have spiritual conversations right. with people that are spiritually disconnected. And, and this is the open. time. Yeah, people, people are, are actually, they're yeah. wondering, what is yeah. happening? Why, yeah. why is God letting this happen? Where is God? And this is the moment that we, the church, uh, we as Bethel Community Church, can actually open up our mouths and articulate what God has done in our hearts. And so maybe even today, I was kind of thinking about our church family. Maybe there's a few of you that are kind of freaking out and wondering, is this all real? Where is God? And maybe this is a chance for even people in our own Bethel family to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus in your heart, not just in your head, but transferring it to your heart and putting your faith and trust and dependence on Jesus. Um, We we as a church wanna make sure you know that spiritually we're with you. Uh, We may be far apart, but we can be together. If you have a spiritual question, a spiritual need, if you need some encouragement, please reach out to us. Uh, most, of you have our, uh, fa- most of you have our phone numbers, you have our Facebook, you have our email address. Connection card is an easy way if you yes. don't. Yeah. Please connect. Uh, don't stay isolated. 
Because the most dangerous thing that you can do right now is to ball, ball up in a, roll up in a ball, isolate yourself, and just get sad and depressed. Let's remember who's in control. That's like super cliche in Christianity. Right. But I think if we tell our, our hearts that, we need to remind ourselves constantly who's in control. So, Christy, thanks for um, joining me today. And it's a little different, uh, but we're so excited to be with you at your, at your home. Uh, please share with others um, what God has done in your life. Why don't we start an awakening in our community? We've been praying for that for a long time. We have been. We had no idea that this is what it would look like and that this is what God had in mind. But let's use it. Let's take advantage of it. God has let's a way of calling people to himself. Yeah. So let's, yeah. let's pray for awakening together. And then let's have an awakening ourselves. And let's lead people to find and follow Jesus. Okay. All right, Bethel. Just remember that as a church, no matter where we're meeting, no matter what it looks like, we exist to love and lead one another to find and follow Jesus. Love you guys.